0: Everybody, welcome to our podcast Snail by Snail, brought to you by Slow Food Portland.
1: Maurizio Leo is the baker behind the food blog The Perfect Loaf. He recently won the Savor Blog Award in the Food Obsessive category. His site is an ode to sourdough bread where he showcases long slow fermentation in food without shortcuts. His obsession is evident in his careful instructions and gorgeous photos, but it's his care and generosity that truly stand out as he engages his community of bakers with tremendous hospitality, offering an ever-hopeful view of food's continued power to connect and nurture in the modern age. I'm Antonella, and this is Snail by Snail. the question i've been starting off with people is asking you about the food culture you grew up in and maybe if there's any stories or food memories that come come to mind when you start to think about that
0: okay yeah so i i kind of you know i'm italian so i grew up in uh, i grew up here in the states um, here in albuquerque new mexico Mm -hmm. Uh, but my dad came came here from italy and my mom she uh, while she grew up here in, in the States, she also lived in Italy uh, for a long time and, and her childhood. So I grew up in uh, that kind of um, household where my family's always cooking from scratch. And it's it's kind of a typical story that you hear now, I think, yeah. as as like my generation and maybe the next couple um, get older, we all kind of have these stories about how our, our mom or grandmother or our great-grandmother uh, mm-hmm. made everything from scratch. And so... So I grew up in that that household, and um, I think as a kid you don't you don't really appreciate it as much. You know, I'd come home from school, and my grandma was like, "Oh, I have fresh gnocchi here for you." <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just eat it and be like, "Okay, can I have some French fries with the gnocchi?" You know what I mean? Like as a kid, yeah. you're like, that's how, that's how you're brought up. But um, yeah, so so I grew up in that that household, and then um, additionally, my my dad um, when he came here. In his 20s, he started a, an Italian restaurant here in Albuquerque. So, okay, and you can kind of read that, read about it, my my statements about that on my website. But um, my brother and I basically grew up there in the restaurant as kids. You know, we were just playing around with dough, with uh, you know, on the flour sacks. You know, with talking to all the waiters and the bussers. And so we grew up in the food industry, and um, and I, I think even though, you know, he started the restaurant and I think that kind of instilled this like entrepreneurial spirit in me. I think it also kind of taught me like, it's an insane amount of work to yeah. start a restaurant. Like, I mean, he was, you know, he was working, you know, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. or, you know, till midnight. Right. And, and it was just like a thing where we grew up and he was like, you're not gonna get into the food industry because it's just too much work yeah Um, you know but but you know it we still we grew up with that appreciation for really good food and homemade food and so so that's kind of the the environment that that i grew up in
1: yeah and what part of italy did your dad come from uh
0: so he's from the south like southern italy he's from uh, ceglia it's a really small small city in the south kind of if you were to try to visualize the the boot of italy it's kind of like right above the heel um and my mom's family actually she's from the uh, the northern part. so she's from oh. Bologna okay. so i have I have family like scattered all throughout Italy and when when we go back, which is pretty frequently, um, we always have to make the long trek from south to north or or vice versa. So yeah,
1: pretty- yeah. And does anything stand out from those times that you've spent in Italy?
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, Anytime we go, we go back there. Um, we we spend a lot a lot of time in the south. I think we spent you know when we go back, we spend a little bit more time in the south than we do in the north, just because I have on my dad's side, I have I mean he's got seven brothers and one sister, so we've got huge family down there, um, and a lot of my family they're they're in the food industry as well. So I've got you know chefs and my dad's a chef, and mm-hmm. um, so we're always surrounded by incredible food down there um they my family they live on several of them live on farms and they've got um you know like olive tree mostly it's olive production down there so we always have really amazing (laughs) olive oil that we're hauling back um but i you know i have so many stories of going down there as a kid and um just you know i mean 30 to 50 people just family members huddled around these huge tables like at 10 p.m at night
1: yeah and,
0: and like pulling um you know, rolled meat and stuff out of these like little ovens that they have that they built right in the side of their um, their truly their little their houses out in the farms mm-hmm. uh, so i mean i could go on about stories um, stories from there of them like serving us amazing food and then you get back to the states and um, i have like a lunchable for lunch does you know? <laughs> it doesn't really hold up to the same standard but. you know i i, I kind of tell this story to just you know i tell it to my friends and stuff because they're always. Telling me, oh, oh, you grew up in this. Uh, you know, I would. I guess you could kind of say that I was spoiled here because people would say, oh, you don't eat Pizza Hut or you don't eat, you know, these chain foods mostly, just because we we had food at home and we just that's what we ate. But I always tell I always tell the story about how. Um, so like I said, my my dad, uh, he since he's a chef and he he runs the restaurant also he's he's there all day and then he comes home really late at night. So he he never really took us to school in the morning because he didn't wake up until later in the day. Yeah. But there were a couple times where my mom was out of town for a conference or something and he would have to wake up early and he he wouldn't really know what to make us for breakfast, you know, and we might be out of cereal or something. So mm. I, I always remember this one dish where I was like, "Hey, hey dad, I'm, you know, we want breakfast. We want whatever, cereal and whatever." And he was like, kind of didn't know what to do. So he was like, I'm just gonna give you guys what we ate for breakfast. So we are like, okay, we were all eager. We were thinking some homemade pancakes or I don't know. <laughs> and he, he basically takes out a bowl, he pours some milk in the bowl and then he takes out a loaf of bread and he tears the bread off and just throws it into the milk and then gives that to us. And we were, my brother and I, I remember we were like, we're not gonna eat this. It's <laughs> bread and milk, it's so, it's way too basic for us. And, you know, you, you have to understand, like I do now, you have to understand that, you know, even though he prepares incredible food at his restaurant and he's trained, he's a trained chef, uh, when it comes down to it, you know, the food that you make, especially at home, it's it's really just to feed you, to nourish you, you know? Yeah. And there's a, there's a time and place for those amazing meals, but then there's also a time just to, to eat, to survive, basically, and that's how he grew up, you know? No, and, and people always expect, you know, a food story is gonna be about how, uh, you know, I was making gnocchi with my grandmother, which happened I mean, all the time, like every every weekend. But um, I love that story just because it it shows the simplicity of food and, and yeah. how to cherish it, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. So you've shared that your obsession with sourdough came unexpectedly. So what was that evolution like? Like what brought you to bread and then how did it turn into an obsession?
0: Uh, sure. So... So I, I mean, before I baked, before I started my my sourdough starter, I never, I don't think I made bread ever. Like, mm-hmm. I maybe have made like some soda bread, you know, those like quick breads. Um, right. And I wasn't, I wasn't interested in it. And I cook a lot and I bake other things, but I've never, never made bread before. Um, and so I was, I was literally just given a bread book. I was given actually the tartine book, like mm-hmm. right when it came out. Um, for, it was a Christmas gift from my aunt. And I remember watching their little promo video for it and I was just totally captivated by kind of the process of it. And he kind of talks about the science of it. And, uh, and I'm an engineer by, by train, by trade, you know, I went to school for that. And yeah. I think the, the science part of bread like captivated, captivated me at first. And then once I started, once I created my starter, my sourdough starter um, and I baked that first loaf of bread, I think I was just like, how did this, you know? How did this transformation happen? And then I just, I like went into a black hole, and you know, I was reading. I have so many bread books, and I was reading about it everywhere. And I was just practicing every weekend. And then, um, from there, it it really took off. I mean, it's. I'd say in the past couple of years, I really have been taking it seriously. Where, um, you know, I'll stay up super late at night if I have to, or I get up really early and I'll just be baking like every single day. I've got something going on in the oven. Yeah, to, to my wife's uh, <laughs> annoyance, I guess she's she's super annoyed by it. But um, yeah, it's it's totally taken over at this point. And I think uh, it's just so satisfying for me. I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I I, I read stories about people who get get uh, totally spent by you know whatever whatever it may be, and baking's and mm-hmm. kind of a common thing. And, uh, and I think I just I just was, was totally taken by it yeah i mean i really i
1: think as a baker who started with tartine as well when i came upon the perfect loaf your website i really appreciated that you had the engineering background Mm -hmm. all of a sudden things were a little bit more like simplified like there was a style and like it was reproducible like it felt attainable and the way that tartine was like there's this artist making bread i feel like chad comes from a much more artistic approach to the bread um that for me who can be a little bit type a it was like oh to have the engineering melded with that was really a breakthrough because it felt like it was much more approachable and easy Mm -hmm. maybe not easy isn't the right word because i wouldn't say it was (laughs) easy at the beginning um but it made it more accessible
0: yeah yeah that that's what i wanted to do when i started that site because um i you know i was searching online for i was devouring everything i could possibly read about bread and there you know as I was making all these mistakes as I was going through it and learning all these things I was like somebody needs to to kind of coalesce all this material and put it in a more structured way so that people can kind of step by step follow and then you know there with baking of course there's improvisation as you're going but it's good to have a structure to it. You know, they have step by step. So that's that was my whole goal. So I'm really glad that you said that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciated the like 20, 20 grams of starter and then like 50 grams of water, 50 grams or the 25%. Like I right. was someone who needed those numbers. Whereas in other books, it was like a handful of flour. You want it to taste like consistency. I'm right. like, what kind of glue, like Elmer's glue. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by that. So that was really a wonderful um, part of the learning process.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And there, there's so many, um, I I mean, I, have only been baking for, I don't know, I've been baking since, let's see, four, four or five years now, pretty, you know, pretty seriously, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything I've read, there's so many myths and um, there's so much stuff about sourdough starters and like, and, you know, just through my experience, I, I, I figured, you know, if you measure these things out and you think kind of the scientific approach, um, it, it works like 98% of the time. And so, yeah, yeah that's what I, I was trying to dispel all that stuff where people are, you know, you got to keep it in your bedroom under your pillow and <laughs> sink to it at night. You know, it's it's just a scientific thing. I'm, I'm not a microbiologist by any means, but, um, you know, there's, I think there's a way to go about it that's that doesn't have to have all the guessing.
1: As you're describing this, like, you know, staying up late and waking up in the morning, I think it brings us into this idea of shortcuts. And I know in your um, biography on your website, you really say that you don't believe in shortcuts, which in a world of like fast, cheap food, that's actually pretty radical to say like, hey, I don't think there's any way we can shortcut around like good, well-prepared food. So, I'd wonder if you just dive into that a little bit more. Like what do you think is gained and slowing down? like what value does it bring to you? like that it makes it valuable enough that you're willing to stay up late or wake up early to make bread a part of your life because it's obviously not your day job. It sounds right. Like.
0: No, yeah, definitely not. Not, <laughs> yet. not yet at least not
1: yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the way
0: right. I hope so. Yeah. um yeah, so I think I mean, I think there's there's probably two. Two angles to that, um, you know, slowing down statement. Um, I think the first one, is, and maybe the one that most people don't don't talk about, is um, I think slowing down to make your food instead of just you know microwaving something or or buying something processed. Um, I think it it kind of reconnects you with the actual food itself. You know, I I mean I love since I work on the computer most of the time. I love getting up and actually just. Putting my hands into dough and you know doing something with my hands, and I think you know as society has evolved, we've kind of we've lost touch with a lot of those those trades. I mean, not everybody. I mean, there's still this still exists. I know my family in Italy for sure. They're they're still living the way that they did. Yeah. Um, but there's something amazing about slowing down and and interacting with the actual ingredients and bread evolved through this two day process and then you, you know, you have your outcome at the end. That's you know, incredible. I mean, it's always edible, even if there's a mistake or a problem, it's always something that's, that's great. And you feel, you feel awesome. You know, when you bake your yeah. own bread or when you make, you know, when you make pasta by hand or you do something slow. And, and I, I think, I think that reconnection with with food, I think it's, if more people had time or found the time to do it, I think, it. I think, um, these dinner, you know, like family dinners and things like that, would mean a lot more, you know, to, to the current generation and, and to the ones that are coming. I think, I think that's something that, um, as a kid, I, in my parents, always we always had dinner together and we did that kind of thing. And uh, I, I didn't like it as a kid, but now I'm, you know, with with my son, I'm like, this is what we're going to do when he gets older because it it gives you appreciation for something. Yeah. Uh, anyway so there's there's that angle to it and then i think the other angle is are the health benefits from it. i mean i'm sure you've read slash watched um you know cooked by michael polan and all of these books that have come out uh, on this topic but you know there's there's some things that we we really need to take a step back with and and reevaluate because you know making bread and Having it rise in like 20 minutes or whatever, there's there's a reason why through history it's taken so long. You know why we ferment the flour for so long and why why it has taken so long. You know there's you know we're now finding that that these processes were actually incredibly important in terms of our our health and um, digestibility and that kind of stuff. So so yeah, I think there's those two those two sides to it. and I think they're both equally important.
1: Something that's been really inspiring to me is seeing you mill your own flowers and really name the flower varieties. And the first one that I noticed was an arc of taste, which is so pivotal to slow food. Um, But it was the white Sonoran wheat, which Mm -hmm. when you baked with it and it linked me out to this arc of taste, and I learned that it was the oldest wheat variety that's been grown in the United States, that it was used during the Civil War. It all of a sudden became much more alive like you're sort of tapping in not even just to like your family history but the history of this product but what drove you to say like okay now I'm baking bread by hand and taking the time what where did you think like oh now I could just mill my own flour what was that process like
0: yeah so um, so I I'm not sure where I first saw or, or got inspired by milling my own my own flour um, I do know like early on um, I went to San Francisco and I ate and I had some coffee at the mill which is uh, Josie Baker's um, place out there and, and I know he he's a big proponent for uh, fresh milled grains and I I can't remember if I had my mill before then but I don't think so and I, I bought a, a bag of his flour and I baked with it. And it I mean the taste was amazing you know it was like another dimension to, to bread. And um, being on Instagram for so long and talking to all the incredible bakers that are that are on Instagram uh, there were some that you know occasionally would show some grain that they milled fresh and so I I got this inspiration somewhere and I I had found that um, that manual mill and it's you know it, it may be I don't I don't think it's necessary to do a, you know a hand crank mill even though there are some incredible benefits from it but I think um, just the flavor uh, and the smell of the, the flour that comes out of the mill—it's I mean it really is captivating—and you can hear a lot of a lot of chefs and bakers talk about how they they're working that into their um, their production or or even their smaller bakes or whatever. But um, it it really is like adding a, an entire dimension on to baking bread. And in the beginning, I, I actually even though I I knew that was where I wanted to go, I didn't actually want to get the mill or do any of that because it, it does add this level of complexity i think because you're mm. you know, when you buy flour even if it's fresh it's it's great because you know the miller is, you know, hopefully the miller is you know, doing their research and they're they're milling the grain to a certain fineness and you know they're, they may or may not be aging it hopefully not and then you know so they're kind of taking care of that whole part of things which is great for a beginning baker mm-hmm. and then I think as I got into it more and now, and nowadays I'm milling more and more of my flour, even if it's just small percentages because of the, the benefits from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's, I mean, the flavor and the taste, the, the flavor and the smell alone is, is totally worth it. It's incredible.
1: And it's just so interesting to hear you talk about like the Miller or being able to talk to whoever's producing it. Cause I think as we get, Further and further away from where our food comes from, like we forget that there isn't, there even is a miller on the other side of the equation. Right. You know, that it, like the flour doesn't just show up at the grocery store, that there's someone could, who could either be taking great care with the product or maybe it's just, you know, like a run of the mill, all purpose flour that maybe doesn't have quite that much attention.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's, it's not, um, there's some, there's someone, there is some person somewhere behind. You know these products that we buy and it's great to be able to trace it back and i love that that's um a new kind of movement that's been happening and been mm-hmm. pushed forward because that's that, i mean that's that's great to be able to say my my flower came from utah or it came from northern new mexico or arizona or wherever yeah i, I love that I it's it's great and specifically with the um the sonora the white sonora flower from, yeah. from Hayden, Hayden flower mills um That flour, I love that flour. It's, um, I I mean, I know a lot of Baker State it's really hard to work with and um, it's just tricky, um, but the flavor is is pretty awesome. And I've been using that flour in all kinds of stuff in my kitchen and uh, not just bread and pancakes, probably the best pancakes I've ever had. I use 100% cinnamon flour. Yeah. yeah. I posted it on Instagram and people were like, really? And I was like, it's it's seriously amazing. <laughs> it's just, it's just really, it's great grain, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so. And what would you say in the flavor makes it amazing? Like what comes through as opposed to like using your run-of-the-mill mill all purpose flour?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's hard to it's really hard for me to. I even have trouble when I'm writing about it on my website because I'm trying to find the right adjectives that mm-hmm. that really capture the, the flavor. But um, the first thing with the white sonora, I mean, specifically, is that it just makes the, this amazing crust on the bread. Mm. Um, and it's a little bit thicker than usual, but and I and I, I like that. I do like a thin crust, but um, but it's it has a certain Characteristic to it that I, I haven't found when using you know something from the supermarket, uh, and that's just the crust. I mean, the interior is a little bit lighter. Um, it's it's softer. It's more, I guess, supple for lack of a better word. It's it's mm-hmm. just like a, a creamy interior, you know, to the bread. And and I, once I mill that flour and the, the instant I put water to that flour, it's I mean it, it to me literally smells like like a bowl of heavy cream or something. Oh wow. I know it's it's amazing. It really is. So yeah, there's it, it's hard for me to write about it and it's hard for me to talk about it without just giving you a slice of the bread. <laughs>
1: right. <Yeah. laughs> but in so many ways I feel like that's what food does, right? Like it takes all those things in that in like the most nurturing sense. Mm-hmm. It takes all those things that maybe we can't put into words. But like they're in the food like they would be in the bread and then if we slow down and taste it we that communication comes through
0: right no i i agree with that yeah and and you know further further to that my food for me is always like it always kind of brings me back to some something i've had in the past or you know it reminds me of something else and sometimes it's hard to make those connections until you kind of sit down and maybe try to talk about it or 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 whatever but like you said, the food, it, just taking a bite encapsulates all of the, you know, all of the adjectives you could write down. You
1: know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that sensory, something I've been thinking about, you know, over the last few months has been like that sensory experience. Like we don't maybe give it as much time or value that like, oh, what comes through our taste? Like we're used to seeing and talking and hearing right. But that taste experience because it's oftentimes so rushed like mm-hmm. we miss out on everything like the flavor the nuance the right. love the communication that's
0: coming through that, that's true i mean yeah we get kind of we will get kind of caught up in our day maybe and we just mm-hmm. kind of rush through lunch or we rush through dinner even though it even though maybe our lunch takes a long time to prepare we always kind of rush through it and
1: right
0: I, yeah i agree we we should probably slow down a little more and enjoy the flavor and, and see, you know, talk about it.
1: Snail by Snail is now on iTunes where you can go to subscribe and download past and new episodes. To learn more about Slow Food Portland and get on our email list to hear about new episodes, upcoming events, go to slowfoodportland.com. I was hoping you talk a little bit about the failed bread, because your Instagram feed is absolutely gorgeous, and there's so many beautiful pictures of bread. Um, but I guess maybe fingers crossed—they don't always come out that picture perfect, and there were probably some failures at the beginning, or there might still be. And I wonder what that process is like for you.
0: Right, that's that's a good uh, that's a good question. Yeah, Instagram does tend to kind of be this um, showcase, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of everything that's worked right, but um so i mean since i started baking i i don't know i don't think i've ever had any kind of like failure where i'm kind of like i've been so frustrated where i just want to give up but uh and i'm not i'm not saying i'm like a perfect baker by any means because really consistency in baking is is one of the hardest things but um i mean just the other day i was you know since i'm experimenting a lot um trying you know trying new things for Write ups, or just to improve my my process. I mean, just the other day, I was uh, I was actually using my mixer, my KitchenAid mixer, to try to mix some bread and some dough, and it I thought it was good, but then by the time I got to um, my pre shape and I dumped the dough out, I was like, this is not going to end up good. Like I could just tell, you know, things were not moving as they should have, and I couldn't adjust, and so. I honestly think that was probably the first time where I actually just had to throw the dough away, and I don't think I've ever done that. And you know, I've never used a mixer to make bread. I always uh, do it by hand, um, not not for any you know real reason, just because I, I don't have a mixer. I'm not against mixing, but I don't mm. I don't just have one. But anyway, so I had to throw that batch of bread out, and luckily it was only a half of uh, a batch. But I was like. I I sat back and I was like, this is the first time I've ever done this. I cannot believe it happened, but you know that that happens with with dough. It's things develop. They don't develop the way they should be developing, or um, you know, and it, and sometimes you can salvage it. I probably could have salvaged it if it wasn't one a.m. that night. But I could have you know put it in a tin or made some focaccia or something. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely happened in the past where I've I've baked like a pancake loaf, as they as they call it. Mm, mm-hmm. And that happens. I think lately it's, it's not, not as frequent, frequent, which is happy for me to say that. Cause it, um, it always scares you. You never know when you wake up what, what things going to look like in the, in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there are, there are bakes that I would, I would classify as a failure for me and uh, I'm, I'm probably overly critical of myself at this point, but um, I, I'm always, I'm always happy with, with, how it comes out I may not be like completely happy with it but you know I can always use it for toast or I can I can blend it up and make bread crumbs you know there's always something edible at the end of it um, yeah and it's not it's never to the point that I had the, the other day where I actually just threw it away you know and it totally broke my heart but yeah
1: <laughs> right yeah do you have any advice for like beginning bakers as they develop because there's so many steps right in the sourdough baking process Mm -hmm. you know you're mixing and that has a certain feel and then you're folding and looking for this balance of elasticity and strength and then the rise like there's a lot of like tactile cues that I think are hard to learn and grasp, unless you've got tons of practice or hopefully maybe somebody to talk to about it do you have any advice to beginning bakers as they sort of get that feel into their hands
0: yeah that that's um that is one of the hardest things and i i often think back you know when i started baking if i would have just had like a week at a bakery i would have probably you know canceled Mm -hmm. out like six months of practice like you know like you said it's that feel you know you need Mm -hmm. um i i would say if i could go back and do it over again like i would take it from kind of a personal standpoint yeah i would probably pick a single recipe a single sourdough recipe that's not super high hydration, and you know um, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Just using you know maybe some bread flour and some all-purpose flour, a good mixture, um, medium hydration like in seventy percent range. And I would just stick to that that recipe, and I would stay on that recipe until you're confident with it. Each time, you know you don't you don't have to look at the recipe. even. you could just like you know now I just mix things up and you know I know what. What it should feel like how much time at each stage and so really the key is just to pick that one recipe and keep baking it until you until you develop that that feel mm-hmm. and so the next time you so whenever you're confident and then you try another recipe that let's say has higher higher hydration, then you'll immediately tell you'll be able to say whoa this dough does not feel as as stiff as as my normal, my normal recipe so you, you build up that intuitive um, comparison point you know kind of yeah inside and then you know from there how to, how to go so yeah just pick one recipe mm-hmm. stick to it even though you'll be tempted and I mean I'm tempted to change things every single bake don't don't do it try to keep things you know temperature ingredients uh, you know flour selection and, and all, everything that goes with that um, and just keep the recipe as, as consistent as possible
1: yeah I'm struck as you're describing that how the actual bread baking process is really slow. You know, there's the different fermentation times. And then at the end of it, like sometimes you've got 24 hours under your belt, but Mm -hmm. like developing all that sense, like the intuition about the bread is a really slow process as well. Like, I mean, maybe there's magic bakers out there who get it on the first try. Um, but that it's, the consistency—it's coming back to it again and again, and developing it over a period of
0: time. Right. Yeah. You you build up this. It's like any. I, you know, I try to compare it to any um, any craft or any trade that that you might try to learn, like woodworking or something like that. You know, you you build up a feel for it, and there's no way to shortcut that. I mean, you can you can make great bread each time, but you I don't think, um, and I say this like time and time on my my website i try to sneak it in where i can because people they always ask me about it. i'm just like just kind of step back like as if you were a friend that is standing there and you're trying to explain to them what's happening to step back observe the dough and just i mean literally just take note of how it's developing each time like take yeah. a second and look at it and say oh you know i can see that there are more creases on the dough here maybe it's getting stronger or, you know, the dough is starting to smell kind of sour. Maybe it's fermenting a little bit further than last time. You know, you maybe poke it and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, take take a step back, slow down, and observe it. I think that, that helps a bit.
1: I wanted to pause a second on your website as well as the Instagram feed because you just won the Savour Blog Award, which right. is a big deal out in the world. It is, um, yeah. Really popular out in the interwebs like, what do you think has been so attractive to people that it's really attracted like this big following, you know, the attention of the blog, the attention, you know, to be up for an award like that? Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think people are attracted to? Like, what's bringing them there?
0: Um, I I think, I think a lot of people I think kind of sourdough bread in general and, and slowing down and kind of returning back to how we made foods, you know, years ago, I think that I feel like that's coming back. Like I feel like more people are getting interested in that. You know, just fermentation and yeah. and um, and that kind of thing in general. And I feel like if you if you make it a little bit more, you know, like you said in the beginning, if you make it a little bit more approachable, and you know, people see maybe they see something that I post, and I I really try to I try not to like talk too high about things. Like I try I try to make it. So that everybody can approach approach the topic of making sourdough, and I think people see things that I bake, and they're like, you know, I, I, maybe I can do that. And then I try to encourage that and say, you know, yeah, you can do it. Just you know, follow these guidelines, and you'll get there. And and I think uh, I think people are always interested in seeing amazing food and and the, the people behind it, and and maybe it, maybe it resonates with them. It's something that their grandmother made, or maybe it's something their you know their mom. They made with their mom and dad when they were a kid, And so they're like, "Hey, I should get back into that." I mean, that that's kind of how it happened to me. I I went down engineering path. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't during college and stuff. I I was eating terribly. I didn't, you know, I didn't have time to to make pasta or anything. And I think later I was reconnected with it when I was. You know, I, I read the Tartine book, and even though my family they really aren't bakers. Um, that slow process I think kind of brought me back in. I think people are are getting more interested in that so I I hope that's that's the reason. Yeah
1: I mean I know for me sometimes the internet can seem so disconnected like there's just these voices and there's a lot of noise and Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of discussion around social media being superficial or but i feel like for you what your blog exudes is really just that generosity and the hospitality of cooking where you feel like oh i can just show up and ask a question and i'm going to get that support and um, yeah like there's like these very human qualities i think through your instagram feed through the blog where it's just someone like cooking from the heart and and that is so inviting to people i
0: think oh, wow. That's, I agree. I, I love hearing that because that's that's how i try to write i just try to write from a personal standpoint i don't try to i'm not like some literary writer you know right. and, and uh, my photos too I, I i just take them here in my kitchen and you know i show them my family and things like that so i yeah i, I love that because that's that's kind of you know that's how i grew up and so that's i'm glad you said that because it's it's kind of one of the things that one of the pillars of my site was like i want to help people the way that I would have wanted to be helped so
1: yeah yeah and I think a wonder a wonderful example of how technology like at the other end there is a person you know like you know like just how the other end of the flower there's a miller Mm -hmm. like it it can be this really warm connecting vehicle rather than you know maybe other iterations of technology that aren't quite as wonderful
0: yeah that's true and and I was actually talking to a, a friend recently about about um kind of the baking community that's on, on Instagram specifically um, and it, it's an incredible community just just there I mean I'm not even talking about my, my website and the awesome people I've met through there but um, I, I feel like when I first got on Instagram and I started posting about baking um, there were there weren't that many people and you know from then until now the quality of bread I feel has just like skyrocketed. And I think it's because, um, like you said, you know, now people are able to connect through this social media uh, mechanism, and they're able to, to share their experience and say, hey, why don't you try? You know, just like I try to give advice to people. You know, I've I've talked to some professional bakers, and they've given me tips that I try, and um, they work out or they don't. But it's this awesome like exchange of ideas, and uh, it really is like a connected web of of people that are. now talking to people that live in the UK and Australia and. Normally, I wouldn't have any any medium for community, communicating with these people, so yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's great.
1: I'm wondering if it's maybe the modern way in which we'll keep up those food stories, you know, like before they That's get passed down thought. between like great yeah. grandmas and grandmas, but now it's maybe not that they're lost, we're just sharing them in different ways.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. That's really cool. That, of makes yeah. me happy to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes me happy too. It never really occurred to me to think like, oh, you know, that information is getting passed on. It's in the conversation. It's just happening in a different way, I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool to think about. I, I actually never thought about it that way because um yeah you're right. I, I learned a lot of my cooking from my my grandma and my, my dad and my mom and um yeah and I, I mean I share even though they didn't teach me how to bake bread, you know, they taught me a lot of stuff about pasta and, and just recently I've been sharing my pasta recipes with people yes. and that kind of thing. So that that's great. I, I never thought about that, but I love it. Yeah.
1: I love it too. It makes me hopeful.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So as we started to tie up, um, a friend of mine was sharing the book by Deborah Madison who wrote the wonderful vegetarian cookbooks, she has a book called What People Eat When They Eat Alone. So I was wondering if you'd indulge me and what do you eat when you eat alone?
0: Um, So uh, here at my house, um, I'm like a a super, you know, along with bread, I'm a super obsessed, um, like, like eater and exercise person, like Mm. constantly exercising and that kind of thing. So when I'm just eating by myself, um, it's usually something extremely simple, like it'll be um, really like a uh, chicken salad with some bread, or you know, just very simple foods. Um, my some of my favorite cookbooks are um, by Alice Waters, *The uh, Art of Simple Food*. And I, I mean, I could flip to any page in that book and make any of that food for myself, and I'm happy. And it's simple, you know. There's yeah. nothing, you know, amazingly complex about it. And yeah, it's usually something like that, something from there. It's a, like a chicken salad with with bread, or um, you know, a bowl, a bowl of pasta. It doesn't even have to be, you know, fresh meat pasta, but it's a sauce that I always make, you know, something simple like that. So simple food. I love that. There's always that time and place for, um, the amazing meal at the end of the week that you gather with your family. But when I'm by myself, it's it's simple food.
1: Mm -hmm. And finally, what does good clean fare mean to you?
0: Um, I, I think, if you assess like each of those words, I think, I think good is, um, I think the food needs to be, you know, in terms of food, good needs to be healthy, nutritious food, um, you know, whole grains where, where it says whole grains. And um, so, you know, good tasting and, and, and nutritious. Um, let's see was clean next or fairness. Clean. So clean, uh, we, we try to, here in my, my house, we try to eat, you know, like it's, organic as we can you know i I know that term doesn't carry as much as it used to in the past but but still i think um as clean as possible like as little fertilizer i mean as little um pesticides as possible and you know just chemical treatments in general um that's for clean and then fair i I think fair um fair is is probably even harder to to define because I, i think you, know, you you might say something like sustainable food or, or um, you know, you know workers are treated in a human, humane fashion and, it, and it's hard to verify those things and I, I like that um, companies are now getting behind that and they kind of will tell you, especially like if you, I don't know if you drink coffee, but you know, the kind of the third wave of coffee, they'll tell you my coffee came from this farm and all of the workers there are are treated fairly, you know, there's yeah. no children working there, that type of thing. so. To me, that's what that's what fair means, sustainable and and fair practices for the worker.
1: Yeah. Any parting thoughts?
0: Um, I I don't think so. I I think I think uh, you know what we talked about the slow, kind of the slow movement, I, I hope that it it continues like gaining momentum. And I think I kind of feel like we're gonna get get to the point where I feel like we're reversing back in in kind of the food history like we're going back to where we make food um, by hand more when we can and and now we're being we're more cognizant about about what uh overly processing things does to us and uh, i i think that's great I, I hope and i also hope i wanted this to just say i i also hope that that sourdough bread specifically kind of loses the the stigma that bread has kind of attained in general you know I, it's an extremely healthy food I mean when I when I make you know slow fermented bread and I eat it I just I feel great and I don't have any you know I'm not gaining 100 pounds and you know what I mean it's it's become this devil that I think it, it shouldn't be anymore so those two things